Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, uh, wherever you are tuning in to the Brahma Viharas. Uh, loving kindness for others, and in particular, loving kindness for loved ones. Now, the Brahma Viharas, in case you're just joining us, uh, those refer to four emotional qualities, uh, loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. Brahma Vihara is a Sanskrit word or a Pali well, term, really, uh, that translates to the abode of the gods. Uh, this is from the Buddhist tradition. So uh, in Buddhism, it's these four emotional states or qualities are considered to be where uh, the gods hang out, the home of the gods, and they are, again, loving-kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity. Now, in particular, what, what's happened in the Buddhist tradition is they've kind of uh, really thoroughly uh, developed practices uh, to develop these qualities, uh, first for ourselves, and then we extend them out to other people. And many teachers uh, give this all-in-one practice. So, and I've I've taught it in that way myself uh, from time to time, where we'll go into a meditation, we'll we'll give loving kindness to ourselves, and then we'll extend it out to other people. Uh, in all-in-one meditation practice, it generally takes a little more than an hour, probably an hour and fifteen minutes, uh, to go through all of those stages loving-kindness for the self, loving-kindness for loved ones. The next stage is loving-kindness for a stranger. Stage after that is loving-kindness for perceived enemies. Then we extend loving-kindness to uh, the, all four of those people, including ourselves, of course, and then extending loving-kindness to the entire world. Well, again, that's quite a long practice, uh, and that can be quite beautiful too, and I might do an episode uh, later in the series where we do all of that. Um, but the way I was taught these practices and the way it really uh, resonates with me is to spend at least a few days, actually I was taught when my teacher gave these to me, we spent two to three weeks on each stage. In this series, I'll probably spend three or four days on each stage because people can go back through the videos or through the recordings uh, and do them uh, for weeks on end like that. Now, when one spends two weeks uh, giving the gifts of loving kindness to a loved one, for example, uh, you really get uh, to experience each phrase, each gift of loving kindness and the relationship of the loved one to yourself in a very deep and intimate way. And so that's why I really like to spend quite a bit of time allowing the phrase to really get into the heart, into the body, and into the mind and do its work. <laughs> Each phrase, when we bring the phrase to our heart or we send it out to another person's heart, uh, there's some work that happens there. There's some changes that occur in that relationship between yourself and the loved one, uh, for example. And so when we spend a good amount of time 
weeks uh, offering loving kindness to a loved one, uh, we get to allow uh, those changes to take place. We get to experience ourself and our relationship to the loved one in a very intimate way. So I, I think that's quite important. Uh, so again, ideally, uh, one could spend two to three weeks on each stage of this practice. So two to three weeks cultivating loving kindness for yourself, two to three weeks cultivating loving kindness for a loved one, a stranger, and uh, a perceived enemy. Now again, for the purposes of the series, we'll only spend maybe three to four days on the following, on the upcoming stages rather. Okay, uh, so talking about that a little bit, and then I want to talk a little bit about uh, the obstacles of loving kindness for loved ones. Uh, these obstacles actually pertain to sending loving kindness to strangers and uh, to perceived enemies as well, and that will make sense hopefully in a moment. So two of the obstacles that often arise uh, during a meditation practice, a, a loving-kindness practice, uh, are desire and aversion. So one really easy way to circumvent the experience of desire arising during a loving-kindness practice is to not use in the practice someone we have a desired-based relationship with. So I wouldn't use my partner. Uh, I don't recommend you use a husband or a wife or a partner for these practices, a boyfriend or girlfriend, because desire starts to arise sometimes and that gets in the way of the practice. Uh, so ideally using a family member, a good friend. Uh, I have some people who I work with that use their pet. That's fine too generally works better with a human being, but if you fe really feel strongly uh, towards that particular animal, uh, you can uh, work with loving kindness to a loved one uh, using a pet, that's fine. So sometimes desire arises in different forms. It might not be for the person that we're sending loving kindness to. We might uh, be in the middle of a practice and desire for other experiences arise, desire for the practice to be different than what's happening. That can happen as well. So some really useful ways of countering the experiences of desire and aversion, particularly desire. We'll talk about aversion later. Uh, but desire, uh, two techniques that I really gravitate towards are the practices of generosity and the practices of gratitude. And why is that? Why do those particular practices counter our experience of desire? Well, we desire something because we're experiencing a lack in ourself, primarily in ourself. We might interpret that as a lack of the, in the environment, a lack of comfort. If I desire a pillow, a lack of, uh, I'm experiencing a lack of money in my bank account if I'm desiring money, if I'm desiring sugar, or I probably feel tired. So it's always this experience of lacking something that creates this drive or desire. So when we practice generosity, 
we're actually countering that experience of lack by taking stock in the things that we have to give. Now, it doesn't, we don't have to you know, be exactly giving whatever it is that we're desiring, although that might be effective. But if we just give what we, we can just give a smile, anything giving, it doesn't have to be even a large thing. You don't have to give the keys to a house or your car or anything like that. Give a smile, give a compliment, uh, a poem, a flower. Any sort of move towards giving, we take stock in the things that we have that are abundant in our life. And that counters out, or counters rather, our experience of desire or of lacking which is really lovely. And then gratitude uh, also counters our experience of desire or balance out our experience of lack. Uh, because then again, we're taking stock in the things that we have. We're, I, I feel grateful for the sunshine. I feel grateful for the stick of incense that's burning. I feel grateful for the clothing on my body, I feel grateful for this job that I have. All of those, that, those types of statements counter our experience of what's lacking in our life, which allows our experience of desire to, to calm. And when that desire is calm, we can more easily and effortlessly move into the practice without the sense of striving towards something. I think that's quite important. So that's a few of the obstacles that might arise during a meditation practice and ways to work with that. And you can work with those outside of a meditation practice as well. If you feel like you're uh, constantly reaching or striving uh, out of a need, out of a desire-based motion, uh, the practices of generosity and gratitude beautiful, keeping a gratitude list, um, you know, taking stock in, in what's beautiful in our life and what's in what we have an abundance of. That allows that desire again to, to calm, which is really lovely. Then offering loving kindness, moving back into the loving kindness practice itself. So if you were with me a few episodes ago, we did a loving kindness practice where we used certain phrases. They're kind of written like aphorisms, but they're a little more weighty in this practice than your typical aphorism. Uh, we endow these phrases with a certain type of importance, a certain type of weight. They're said to be the most precious, rare gift. And we bring this precious rare gift up. And first we bring it to our own heart, just like we did in the first stage. We offer the phrases of loving kindness to our own heart, these precious gifts of loving kindness. And then after we do each phrase for our own heart once, we then offer the phrases to our loved one. And this is generally done uh, through visualization. Uh, so one would ideally have a loved one in mind, brother, a sister, a pet, a relative, a good friend. Uh, and then you could visualize them seated or standing in front of you. 
and then you offer these phrases to their heart as if you were giving them the most precious gift possible. And you would visualize them receiving that gift. There it is again, the practice of generosity, right, built into the meditation itself. You would visualize them receiving the gift. That's an act of generosity. Then visualize what their life would look or feel like if each phrase was completely reflective of their life circumstance. So for example, the first phrase, may you be happy. So then you, if, you, if visualization is okay for you, if you can visualize, visualize that person's life completely happy, effortlessly happy, and what that would look like for them and what that would feel like for them. Now, visualization might be difficult for some people. Don't despair. This practice is still very accessible. Instead of visualizing the person in front of you, you can just say their name a few times or several times, maybe get a feel for their presence. You might actually even reflect on why is it that you feel so fond for that person? What is it about them that draws you to that person? That helps uh, get a feel for that person's presence. Then when you offer those phrases to them, just get a feel for what their life would be like, how their life might change if they were completely happy or completely healthy. And we'll go through the phrases. Uh, the next one, may you experience, I'm sorry, uh, may you live a life of peace free from struggle. That's the third phrase. Uh, so again, seeing this person's life unfolding in an effortless way, free from struggle. Uh, may you experience the world opening to you just as you are. What that would be like for our loved one. And may you experience things just as they are. and may you welcome whatever arises. So those are the phrases that we'll be working with. And each one has this kind of opening to the present moment and embracing the present moment. So those are two really uh, integral qualities of loving kindness practice, this opening to the present moment and embracing the present moment. Quite beautiful, quite warm uh, type thing. Now, one other obstacle I want to mention uh, before, and we'll just, today we're just going to do a quick run through, kind of a, 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 a sampler, <laughs> a free sample of uh, loving kindness. And tomorrow I'll do an actual loving kindness practice for the loved one where I won't talk so much and you can thank me or curse me later for that. So um, the other obstacle, right. So oftentimes when people embark on a practice of extending loving kindness to a loved one or to a stranger, or to an enemy, uh, they actually want to know that the other person is receiving that benefit. They may, may even go out of their way to ask that person a week later, did you feel something? Yeah, I was sending 
that's all really wonderful and that plays into a belief system that I don't want to disrupt for anyone. If, that's, if you believe that people are receiving this energy that you're sending out, that's beautiful. But that's not really the, uh, the gold of this practice. <laughs> Uh, the goal of this practice is to experience how we relate to a loved one and how that feeling might change and alter when we offer loving kindness to a loved one. It's very much uh, kind of like what Carl Jung talks about in dreamscapes, how in dreams we are actually each person in the dream. We have a dream, we might see, uh, I might see my brother in my dream, but that's actually really me in the dream playing my brother. And I'm relating to that image of my brother the way I think we would relate. So we're really experiencing ourself projected outward in a dreamscape. It's very much the same in a loving-kindness practice. So we're really experiencing how we imagine our loved one receiving our loving-kindness. And so uh, really having that as, as, a, as a platform, I think, is quite important to, to, to know that, to realize that, okay, it's not actually the loved one, but it's actually myself playing the loved one and to relate to it in that way. And I think that's quite important um, because a lot, a lot can happen in that unfolding, in that relationship where you're uh, extending loving kindness to this loved one, feeling and, and really seeing maybe, if you can visualize what their life would look like. But, that's, but knowing that that's, that has you in there, your flavor, your interpretation uh, in that exchange is quite important because a lot of learning takes place right in that exchange. Okay, so I guess we're ready for a quick run through of loving kindness. So we'll go two times through the phrases here. Uh, we'll, um, first, we'll go into the present moment. We'll, I'll ring the bell. We'll, breath, body, sounds, just like we've always done. Uh, and then um, we'll just go quickly through the loving-kindness for our own heart and then loving-kindness uh, for our loved one. And then we'll finish up, we'll come back through the present moment. And this again is just uh, for, our, for the viewers here, thank you by the way for joining me, it's for you all uh, to just get a feel for what this practice might look like, might deliver. And tomorrow's episode, I will do a full, complete half an hour, 35 minutes of uh, love and kindness for the loved one. So allowing the body, mind, and heart to rest. It's coming into this present moment experience. Noticing the breath, 
entering and leaving the nose. Noticing the breath, touching the back of the throat. You might notice a cool or a dry sensation arising from the nose and the back of the throat as you breathe in and breathe out. Perhaps just noticing the temperature changing from cooler to warmer on the in-breath and out-breath. Noticing the rib cage expanding and contracting with each breath. the rising and falling of the abdomen as you inhale and exhale. And you might also notice the back moving out as you breathe in and in as you breathe out. The shoulders rising and falling with each breath. You might also notice the body straightening up slightly on the in-breath and leaning forward slightly on the out-breath. While resting with the breath, experiencing sensations of clothing against the shoulders, the arms resting against the body, the hands resting against the body or touching each other. There might be sensations of clothing against the back, the weight of the body against the chair or cushion, mat or floor. There might be sensations of clothing against the legs. Noticing the feet against the mat or the floor. And while resting there with the breath and the body, you might also notice sensations arising from the back of the neck. Sensations arising from the face, including the cheeks and the lips, the nose and the eyes. There might be sensations arising and noticing any sensations arising from the top of the head, the very crown of the head. And while resting there with the breath and the body, 
You might also notice the sounds of the present moment. Depending on where you are in the world, you might notice the bird songs. There might be sound of crickets. You might hear the sound of wind blowing through a tree, or perhaps the sound of traffic, a neighbor's music or television. There might be a conversation in the distance. Regardless of the sounds that are arising, we don't need to focus on any one particular sound, but rather noticing the entire field of sounds. Hearing all of the sounds all at the same time. And in addition to any sounds, paying close attention to the quality of still silence within the sense of hearing. When we listen to the backdrop of the silent space, we might notice how this still silence seems to surround each sound. And so we'll rest right there, maintaining open, spacious awareness on the sounds and silence, body and breath, and just rest, breathing in and breathing out. And now we'll offer these very precious phrases of loving kindness, these gifts of loving kindness to our own heart. As if we were offering our heart the most precious, rare gift. Visualizing or imagining what our life might look or feel like if each phrase was completely reflective of our life circumstance. May I be happy. May I be healthy. May I live a life of peace without struggle.
May I open to things just as they are. May I experience the world opening to me just as I am. May I welcome whatever arises. And now, allowing a visualization to arise in your mind's eye of a loved one. And if visualization is difficult, again, just saying this person's name a few times will work. Getting a feel for this person's presence. And we'll offer these very precious Phrases of loving kindness to our loved one's heart. Visualizing, imagining what their life would look or feel like if these phrases were completely reflective of their life circumstance. happy. May you be healthy. of peace without struggle. May you open to things just as they are.
May you experience the world opening to you just as you are. May you welcome whatever arises. Okay, so that was just a quick presentation of loving kindness for loved ones. And tomorrow, um, we'll do a full 35-minute practice uh, just like that, where we come into the present moment through the breath, the body, the sounds. You could also do it the opposite direction, and I might do that to sounds, body, breath. That works just as well. Uh, and then offering loving-kindness phrases to our own heart rather briefly. We kind of go through each phrase just as a way of touching in with the experience of loving-kindness. And then tomorrow uh, we'll offer each phrase and then sit with each phrase for about a minute or so so that uh, we can really visualize or really experience our loved one experiencing their life in that way and how that feels for us, how we experience that, paying attention to that. Now, and I'll mention this tomorrow too, but there might be an opening to a phrase or a closing to a phrase or the feeling of indifference, no feeling. None of that is wrong. It's, that's just showing us how uh, we respond to loving kindness. Uh, so these practices are not corrective. We're not trying to change anything during the meditation. There's no, I shouldn't be feeling this, so I'm going to try to feel that. It's not about that. These practices are really kind of like opening the closet door, and we can see inside the door, oh, that's how I to that uh, way of loving-kindness or to this way of loving-kindness. I open up to that one but I resist that one and so forth. And so we just notice that. And so eventually what'll happen is those shifts uh, will happen in day-to-day -day life, in our activities and our exchanges with loved ones and with our exchanges with strangers and perceived enemies. We start to notice in those interactions, oh, I'm closing down to loving kindness here. Maybe I can open up. Maybe I can respond differently. And that's where the practice really bears fruit.
so to speak, in our interactions with other people. Okay, I think I've said enough about loving kindness for loved ones today. Again, I will be back tomorrow guiding a complete meditation practice on loving kindness for loved ones. Uh, on a more serious note, I guess this is all serious today, but uh, please practice your social distancing, wear your masks, wash your hands, stay home when you can. Uh, we're still pretty much in the heat of this pandemic, so uh, let's all try to work together as one uh, human race to try to flatten this curve. Thank you, and I'll see you all tomorrow.